God of all things and all times. We are so distracted and forgetful. Help us to always remember that we abide in your love. Amen. Remember, if there's a refrain that runs throughout scripture, that may well be it. Remember, remember that God is God and that we are not. Remember the poor and the orphan. Remember the Sabbath day. Remember the promises of God. Remember, I am with you always. Our problem is that we have too many things to remember. I have lists. I have calendar notifications. I usually have a couple of things in my head that I'm trying to keep there until I can get to a piece of paper to add them to one of those lists. And as you know, there's a whole sphere of our economy that exists because none of us are going to remember it all. It's called automation, where computers do that remembering for us when it comes to paying our utility bills or renewing subscriptions. Faith, though, is not something that we can automate. We can have apps that remind us to pray and to meditate. We can have our bank automatically send a check to the church each month, which we do greatly appreciate. <laughs> or we could subscribe to an email list where we get a verse of scripture every morning. But none of these things are what it means to be a person of faith. Faith cannot be automated. It has to be engaged and lived. And that's the other problem. In addition to having too much to remember, we are too busy and distracted. In previous generations, what companies wanted out of us was a purchase. Ford wanted us to buy a Ford instead of a Chevy. McDonald's wanted us to eat there instead of at Burger King. But that's not the world we live in anymore. Instead, companies are after our attention. Economists call it the attention economy in which influencers and advertisers are after our focus. And they have gotten scarily good at it, with the result being that we all feel inundated with the news, obligations, and interests of modern life. When it comes to Christianity, the issue is that faith is not one aspect of life, like we sprinkle in a little prayer here, a service project there, we come to church on Sunday if nothing else is going on. No, faith is about the entirety of our lives. It is the canvas on which our lives are painted, the journal pages that hold the words, the story in which we exist. And this is why the church and people of faith are struggling so mightily these days. The modern world and faith are no longer complementary. They're in competition with one another in terms of our focus and attention. It's why for those of us who have chosen to show up on a Sunday morning, that word remember matters so much. Because when we forget, a lot of bad things start to happen. Consider the story we heard in Exodus. In that first verse that we heard read, we see the whole dynamic playing out. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. You'll remember Joseph, a Hebrew, 
became the previous pharaoh's secretary of state. And he had godly foresight and saved Egypt from a famine. And you'll remember that this new pharaoh eventually will meet his demise by the same Hebrew people. But this pharaoh's problem is that he did not remember. And what happens when we forget how God has been leading us and blessing us? We get distracted by the world, an ever-changing and scary world. Forgetting his past, Pharaoh had no other lens through which to view his present situation, and he becomes afraid. None of us make our best decisions when we are afraid. Pharaoh becomes xenophobic and begins to mistrust people who look different, who speak differently than him. And this becomes his downfall. Now, I want to be very clear about this. I am not offering any political commentary. This is biblical wisdom and admonition. We forget, ignore, and dismiss history at our own peril. And when we do so, we miss out on God's mercy and guidance. The fight that we are having in our country and community right now about how to teach history in schools, that is to willingly choose the sort of ignorance that Pharaoh lived by. The mistrust of others who are different from us is rooted in this ignorance, and it is tearing our communities apart. Pharaoh knew not Joseph. And that ignorance destroyed his nation and future. If the church makes the same mistake, we likewise will fade away. If our nation cannot tell the truth, we will crumble under the weight of lies and division. It's why I remain so committed to the work being done by Racial Equity Rowan. Jim Green, Ed Norville, and I serve on the steering committee for this group, and I am so pleased to have St. Luke's so well represented there. Our next workshop will be at Hood Seminary on September 21st and 22nd, and I cannot encourage you to attend strongly enough if you've never been to a racial equity workshop before. Yes, I know it's two whole days, but remembering takes time. We'll have information about how you can register for that in the email that comes out this week, or you can ask me or Jim about it, or just get online and look up Racial Equity Rowan online. But Pharaoh was blinded by his ignorance, and the rest of the story is just him stumbling from one mistake to the next. Because he refused to remember, he was overcome with fear and prejudice, and his rule started to come undone with two bold, and amazing women, Shifra and Pua. Remember those names, Shifra and Pua. We don't often get the names of women in scripture, so we would do well to remember and cherish these. Shifra and Pua. Shifra related to the word beautiful. Pua perhaps is derived from the sort of cooing sound that we make to comfort a newborn child. These courageous women show the beautiful strength and comforting action of the God who summoned them to boldness. Shifra and Pua, they use Pharaoh's bias against him. He's scared of these Hebrew people, how many of them there are. 
And so his first plan is to work them to death in the fields, to grind them to a pulp with labor and harsh living conditions. But the Hebrew people, they did not forget Joseph. They remembered that God was in charge, not Pharaoh. They remembered that they had been in tough situations before and God had delivered them. And so the labor did not crush them. It only crushed the morality of the Egyptians, turning them into callous taskmasters. So Pharaoh turns to an even more wicked and violent plan, genocide. Forget working them to death, let's just get right to the death. He orders the midwives to kill any boys born to the Hebrews. Drown them in, in the Nile, he says. The very river that gave life to Egypt is to become the grave of the Hebrew people. And again, I am not stretching to just make a point about the news. I'm simply pointing out the dangers of what happens when we do not remember our story. What's going on at our southern border is just history repeating itself. As circular saws have been installed in buoys along the Rio Grande. Now, I am not claiming that I have the answer to immigration policy. I don't. But I do know that circular saws are not part of that solution. Just as the solution to Pharaoh's problem was not throwing babies into a river. When we do not remember, we end up making such horrific mistakes rooted in our fear. But Shifra and Pua, they turn that fear into an opportunity. When they commit an act of civil disobedience, they are enacting the truth that Martin Luther King wrote about in his letter from a Birmingham jail. King wrote, an unjust law is no law at all. Any law that degrades human personality is unjust. All segregation statutes are unjust because segregation distorts the soul and damages the personality. And then King goes on to write, I must confess that over the last few years I've been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. In the end, we will not remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Well, no one is going to accuse Shifran Pua of being lukewarm. They tell Pharaoh, you know how these Hebrew people are. They're just so vigorous. They pop those babies out before we can even get there. And based on his prejudice and ignorance, Pharaoh's plan is undone. The book of Exodus is a book all about deliverance. And Shifra and Pua become God's first agents of deliverance in this ongoing story of God's salvation of which you and I are a part. Do we remember this story of God constantly calling us out of our ignorance and hatred and into abundant grace and beloved community? That's the question Jesus puts before his disciples. Who do you say that I am? And if we forget our answer to that question, then very quickly we become just like Pharaoh or Pilate, who thought they were doing the right thing, but very much were not. 
Now, the geographical context for Jesus' question matters a lot. Matthew tells us that Jesus asked this question in the district of Caesarea Philippi. Scholars tell us this was a region full of pagan shrines. Archaeologists have discovered the ruins of a temple there, and it's likely the backdrop for this story. And this temple, it would have had niches all over it with various statues of deities and idols. And so when Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? And Peter confesses, you are the Messiah. It's in this context where there are so many others vying for that very same title. What is the God of your life? Who sets your standards? Who tells you whether or not you are measuring up? What ideals have you given your life to? Where do you spend most of your time, money, and energy? What do you worry about? Where do you put your trust and your hope? We have so many things that are trying to be at the gravitational center of our lives. So many things to distract us. Now back then, they had different names. They were called Zeus, Apollo, Athena, Poseidon. Today, we know them as politics, net worth, consumerism, individualism, reputation. When we remember not Jesus, we work ourselves into a lot of mess because as St. Augustine put it 1,600 years ago, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. So how do we remember and not get so distracted in such a distracting world? Well, this is where the church is so much more than an institution. It's a gift intended to help us remember who we are and who God is. Jesus says that the church binds and loosens. At our best, we bind people in relationships of love. We bind ourselves to the promises of God. We bind ourselves to truths that are bigger than us. And we are to loose people from oppression, to loose people from the grasp of false idols, to loose ourselves from all those temporal things that seem really important in the moment, but are distracting us from the grace and love right in front of us. So you might think of the church as something like a practice club. We gather here to remember and to practice, guided by scripture, by architecture, by community, by song, by sacraments, and by mission, we are reminded that God is up to something in this world, something beautiful and something bold, something audacious. We remember that we are loved, not because of what we have done, but because God is love. And so we come to rehearse, to practice forgiveness, generosity, justice, being united even when we disagree. The church, both as us, the gathered community, and as this physical building, exists to remind and bolster us in the trust, confidence, and commitment to the very God who created all things, the very God who gave boldness to Shifra and Pua, 
who led the people out of slavery in Egypt, who was born of Mary, and who heals the sick, restores the guilty, and feeds the hungry, who for us and for our salvation shows us the depths and power of love on the cross, who rose from the grave and gives new life to all, whose spirit is poured out on all of us, and who is working to make all things well. That's something worth remembering. 